forward into the family barn um, through the stables where they were murdered one at a time using a, a mattock, which is basically like an ice pick. Murders, mysteries, unexplained stories, and our family's crazy opinions on them all. Join us now. The Family School of Thought is in session. Hey, everybody. Hope everybody had a good week. Welcome back to our show. I'm glad to see everybody out there because I can see you all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, welcome to the Family School of Thought. Um, So how about you folks? Uh, You guys doing good? Cass, weather's what out in Portland? Weather's nice out here compared to you guys. I heard you guys have a storm coming. No, we have The schools have already been canceled. Yeah, it was kind of cold here today, too. It was 40 degrees and sunny. (laughs) (laughs) Had to wear a jacket. Oh, my. We were like 50s yesterday. Really? Yeah, Yeah, we had really windy, though. The last two days, it was 40s and 50s, and then we have 30. (laughs) It's cold. Spring one day, winter the next. You know, it's Michigan weather. Yeah, there's another quick tidbit right there. Odin had a very rough day yesterday because his arm got shot in the door from the wind slamming the car door on his arm. And then he was sick all night, so... Poor, Poor baby. Poor kid oh, had a rough 24 hours. <laughs> My baby. All right, Jess, uh, you got some facts for us? Yeah, so I have um, the history, unexplained mysteries. I have a tidbit from that. I also have a tidbit from our listener out in Texas that it's a Reader's Digest 125 Interesting Facts about practically everything. So it's kind of like a news article. So I think I might do one of those every once in a while, too. So, um, But the awesome. History Unexplained Mysteries, um, maybe you guys know about this. Um, we're not big hockey, like us four hockey people, but mm-hmm. our family is Let's go, Red big Wing. hockey stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so this is about the missing Stanley Cup puck. So in 2010... Um, in overtime of game six, the Stanley Cup uh, during the Stanley Cup playoffs between the Chicago Blackhawks and the Philadelphia Flyers, the Blackhawks player Patrick Kane sank a game winning goal, earning his team the first their first Stanley Cup since 1961. As the buzzer announced their victory and the stands erupted, however, the game winning puck vanished and it has been missing ever since. The search for um, the search for this, the puck of, um, Blackhawks, it's the six ounce rubber chunk of Blackhawks history. I don't know what that is. I can't, I see can't it. see that. Yeah. Oh, he's watching the Red Wings on his phone. Okay. Every, like every, every time we do this show, I'm getting text, Red Wing texts the entire time we're watching it. And so when you said we're not very big Red, Red yeah. Wings fans, I'm yeah. like, yeah. Kinda. Yeah. Kinda. Okay. How many games have you been to, Dad? Do you know where the Stanley Cup puck Lately, is? I know. Not very many. Okay. No. So, but um, the search for the Blackhawks history puck, the six ounce rubber chunk, um, has been intense with the National Hockey League, the NHL. Even they even recruited the FBI to aid them to hunt this puck down. <laughs> 
I don't. Yeah, I thought it was kind of ridiculous too. But oh, you. Despite their the FBI's involvement, no trace has been uncovered, and a fifty thousand dollar reward still stands for any information leading to the puck's recovery. Well, Recently, one of our maybe one of our uh, watchers will know where it's at, and yeah, they can share that. No, that puck is a dog's shoe toy. Long <laughs> been dead shoe toy. There's just no way. Or either that or it, Patrick Kane grabbed it real quick and said, I'm not giving this back. I'm not forgetting I mean, history, it's mine. Yeah, um, I would. But recently, the FBI team dedicated to the hunt announced that they would be employing cu- cutting edge video microscopes to analyze footage from the goal and hope to make turn to, for, to turn up some evidence. But many believe the puck is lost forever and perhaps on a trophy shelf at some lucky fan's house. Yeah. I well, you know, convinced. you know it's one of the players because was, nobody else a, can be nobody was, else was on the field the ice. Yeah, it, well, you never know, but that's I think you know that stuff like this happens where you know the person hits a home run or whatever and makes the game winning thing and the fans aren't giving it back. That's theirs right. forever. They, you know, but with this, I think Patrick King may have grabbed it real quick, or the goalie who got it got by grabbed it real quick, and they, <laughs> that's his, the dog's chew toy. Is that the dog's chew toy? <laughs> becomes such a an issue getting the FBI involved. Whoever has it, they're not giving up that they have it anymore. Maybe the FBI <laughs> should wait. Now where's our uh, for entertainment purposes only sign? Because we can't be blaming people. That the FBI is involved with. <laughs> yeah. So my other fun little facts, and these ones are kind of shorter, so I thought maybe I'll read a couple of them every once in a while. Um, again, it's a Reader's Digest, 125 interesting facts about practically everything. Oh. Um, this information is the world's wooded, the world, oh, sorry, <laughs> back up, the world's Oldest wooden wheel has been around for more than 5,000 years. It's our it was, um, chandelier up north. <laughs> yeah. It's our window. Or it's our yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was founded in 2002, approximately 12 miles south of um, the capital of Sylvania. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. There's too many consonants in there. Um, <laughs> and is now housed in the city's museum. Um, it's a radiocarbon dating, which was used to determine the wheel's age, which is somewhere between 5,100 and 5,350 years old. So, um, Older than Christ. It's Yeah. Closer to home, these are the oldest tourist, tourist attractions in every state. So, there you go. The first it's, wheel. The first wooden the wheel. The oldest wooden wheel that has ever been found okay, is oldest, between... 5,100 years old to and 5,350 years old. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. Yep. There you go. I want to see what it looks like. There's some a wooden wheel. Okay. Anything else, Jess? Nope. That's it. All right. Those are my fun facts. Cass? Hmm. A song for us this week? I do. I have a song for us this week, and it's a sad song, but it's an unexpected sad song. Um, and I don't know if any of you, well, some of you might know it, but it is Outcast's Hey Ya. Oh, we all know that song. 
I okay. Your mother, mother insisted that they were going to play do a free concert. Remember that? No. No. I wouldn't yes. even expect mom to know who Andre 3000 is. Your mother insisted they were doing a free concert. And I'm like, they're not doing a free concert. <laughs> well, okay, they sorry. didn't do a free concert in, you know, Michigan. I can promise that. Um, but so this is actually considered a very like dance song. A lot of people play it at weddings again. Um, but it is a pretty sad song when you listen to the lyrics and a lot of people nowadays on Twitter and TikTok are calling it one of the saddest songs they've ever heard. Um, and it's because the whole song is about how people nowadays in modern relationships um, are so afraid of being alone that they will stay in relationships that they don't want to be in anymore. Um, and one of the biggest clues to this is after after the lyric, um, we are so in denial when we know we're not happy here. Uh, and then Andre says the line, y'all don't even wanna hear me, you just wanna dance. And it points out that people don't wanna actually listen to lyrics, they don't wanna actually understand the meaning of the lyrics because it's got such a catchy beat behind it. Right, yeah, I've heard this before. That's a great yeah. song. It's a great song, but it is about how, you know, how hard modern relationships are and how hard it is to be alone sometimes. Right, right. Yeah. So it's funny that it gets played at weddings and yeah. celebratory things. It's such an upbeat tempo to it that you don't think it's, you're not paying attention to the words, but yeah. Right. That was a good and song. Andre knows this. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's the song for the week. Just kind of a... Uh -huh. Again, another one where you've got to pay attention to the lyrics so you don't understand the song. I just want the music. That's it. I don't. I just like the noise. Awesome. I don't listen to the music. You should. Just the beat. I listen to the beat. Well, it's got to be to a low, low beat. Not a... Hey, so I... Um, how about... Did you guys... I'll get to see the Super Bowl. Yes. No. Because speaking of music, I was up north with a group of people that none of them knew who Rihanna was. <laughs> so Mom, do you know who Rihanna people. is? Yeah. Huh? Yes. Name a song by Rihanna. Um, Bitch, I don't know. better have no money. I know all of her songs. I'm asking I Mom. No, oh. I didn't, I don't know her music, but I know who she is and what I don't like I don't listen to her. Danielle knew all the songs. But. I thought they were all good and she did a good job. It was um a very different No, Jess, did you guys see it? Yes, we watched it and Matt was like, What songs does she have? She's like and he was saying too, like she only became famous because she did the duets with uh, Eminem. And I'm like, no, she was no. way famous before him. And then yeah, and when when the when she was doing her show, he's like, oh yeah, I guess you were right. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, I guess I didn't realize these were all Rihanna songs. Yeah. Um, or Rihanna, 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 Rihanna. And um, I I don't listen to her, so I I mean it was okay and. I thought I, it was good. I wasn't. I wasn't. But I was with a bunch of people that were like, hmm, "That was really underwhelming." I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" What? I, I wasn't. I too didn't even watch it, and I knew that that was a pretty good show. 
Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was good. Though I will have to say that she didn't play my favorite song, which is Shirani from SNL. (laughs) Shirani. That would have been great, bringing out Lonely. That wasn't one of her greatest hits. She did all of her greatest hits. um, I had to play them Love on the Brain and Stay. They were like, oh, yeah, 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 I've heard those songs. It's like, yeah, she's had a lot of hit songs. She's got a lot of hits. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Matt was like, you know, like names. I mean, I'm not a big, I'm not a big, like I don't listen to her music too much, but I'm like, I knew she had a lot of hits. So Matt's like, you know, name all of her songs. I'm like, I don't know, Umbrella. That's the only one I can like think of right now. But <laughs> on the replay, I do think it was pretty impressive that she did the whole thing by herself. I kept waiting for somebody to, you know, come in, but well, and for her to be pregnant, up and on pregnant the- on that ledge, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's so what I was worried about. I didn't even watch it. I was like, oh, she was tethered, you know. I know, but, but still, still, they were wobbling. Yeah, they were. But <laughs> still. Over, I mean, easily. Well, you saw the backup dancer fall over, didn't he you? He almost fell over, yeah. No, I didn't. <laughs> he didn't actually fall off. He almost fell off. No, he almost. He fell down. <laughs> oh, wow. No. No, I didn't catch that. But, anyways, it was pretty good. I liked it. How about the commercials? Anybody, you guys like the commercials? No. My favorite was the um, pre-electronical, pre-electric, what was it? It's about, it's about the electric cars coming mm. and how people are so worried about all the things. I'm like, oh, my God. It was awesome. And, and they made it look like a, um, I a, see a commercial I for, see. you know, like Viagra or something, you know. Since it was couples talking about how. They're worried about, you know, pre, what they call it, pre-electrification vehicles, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, like, I like the YouTube, the, the U2 commercial with all the, the like the floating spheres in the sky and everything. Oh, yeah, because, yeah. That's I mean, going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait. <laughs> These aren't just, uh, they're not other countries trying to spy on us. It's just you two announcing their next tour. <laughs> yeah. It's either that or they put it on Apple Play already. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's already downloaded onto your phone. <laughs> Anyways, before we get started, please, everybody, push that like button. We'd appreciate it. Subscribe to our channel. We'd appreciate that even more. And share with your friends and acquaintances where you heard us from. Mm-hmm. Whether it's on YouTube or um, Spotify, anywhere where you get your podcast. Read. Yeah. So, um, um, if, with that, I think Jesse, I think you're up this week. Aren't it you? is my week. Um, right. So I have another family murder mystery. We're going on roll. This is the third week in a row. I know. I know. But I had somebody ask me if they could be a guest on our show. And um, I said, oh, yeah, yeah, you can. And so they wanted to do another topic, hunting. I'm like, no, it's got to be a murder or mystery. (laughs) (laughs) You got to come with a mysterious hunting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can we can change up. (laughs) Anyways, I'm sorry, Jess, go ahead. So this is 
And I got this idea, just so everybody knows, I got this idea from my history calendar, the Unexplained Mysteries. This one is the story or the mystery of um, the Hinterkopf murders. Hinterkopf, it's a, I'm going to butcher a lot of this, the, um, my um, accent is going to be bad, but this is a murder that happened back in 1922 in um, a small Bavarian farmstead um, located about 43 miles north of Munich in Germany. Um, and it is, it, uh, I already said it, it happened in 1922 and it still remains an unknown um, and who murdered the, the family. So it was six victims that were murdered. Um, they were all family. Um, it was um, Andreas Gerber and his wife, and I'm not going to pronounce her name right, but it's Kaziela uh, Gerber. And then they lived with their daughter, Victoria Gabrielle, and her two children, um, Kalzea as well, there's a younger one, and Joseph. Um, the two kids were seven and two, and Victoria was 35, and her father was 63, and her mother was 72. So there's that age difference for you. I thought that was kind of odd, but unrelated. Um, and then as well as their maid, Maria Baumgartner, um, who was 44. And um, the people, the, the eerie, there's a lot of eerie things that happen with this one. But one of the most eerie things about this case is that there's evidence to prove, like show, like during the investigation that the person or people who murdered the, the six family members lived with their corpses for three to four days okay. after they were murdered. So it's wow. a little, little creepy on that one. But the, this murder is considered one of the most gruesome and puzzling unsolved crimes in German's history. In well, German how do you know that somebody, the killer, stayed with them for three days? That'll be explained. We're going to find out. You've got to wait till that Stay comes up. Well, I want to know now. <laughs> Patience. Patience. She's trying to get us excited. Yes. Get us interested. So this family was very well known to be very quiet and kept to themselves. Um, but on April 1st, neighbors became kind of concerned because the young the young girl um, missed school and then the entire family failed to show up to church where Victoria was a member of the choir. So that was kind of when people started to suspect things. Um, and there were some rumors too that, you know, like the milkman came and nobody answered and those kind of things where people stopped by, but they didn't think anything of it. Um, but then when um, young Kelsey missed school again on April 3rd and the mail began, the family's mail began to pile up at the post office their neighbors decided that it was time to investigate and try to figure out what was going on. Um, and on April 4th, um, Lorenz, Lorenz Schultenbarger, um, who is a farmer who lived nearby, basically their neighbor, um, led a search party to like look for 
the family and figure out what happened. They ended up finding in the farms, the family farm's barn, the, the search fire, a search party found four of the six brutally battered, um, their battered, brutally battered bodies covered in hay inside the barn. Um, and then in the house, they discovered the body of two-year-old Joseph and the maid Maria Baumgartner. Hmm. Um, and it was Maria's first day on the job as, as a maid for the family when this happened. Oh, um, and her sister dropped her off to start her shift and is likely the last person to have seen all six of the victims alive. Um, although she was never a suspect, so I'll just put that out there right now, but she was never a suspect. Maybe unwrongfully, I, I don't know. But um, so as the, like, as the, the murders, you know, became well known, things, you know, rumors started going around about um, what could have happened, but it was found out through police investigation that the previous maid um, had abandoned her her position with the family about six months prior to this murder because she believed that the 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 house and the farm were haunted um, because she constantly heard strange noises and outside of the house and up in the attic of the house. Um, the father grandfather Andreas um, he even had mentioned to friends and like neighbors that he had found a newspaper from Munich on the property that he never subscribed to. He didn't know how it got there. He wasn't sure, you know, cause it wasn't, that was like 42 miles away. This was in 1922. People didn't travel that far often, you know, kind of thing. Um, so he was kind of concerned about that, but he found that newspaper in March of 1922. So in the, the weeks leading up to this murder, um, and then just days before the murder, he actually reported to neighbors that he had discovered tracks in fresh snow that led from a nearby forest on the property to a broken door lock in the family farm's uh, machine room. And um, so he, obviously there was somebody that they didn't know who was walking around on the property. And with those foot, the footprints or the the, the trail in the snow, it only led one way. So it wasn't like somebody was walking back and forth. It led from the forest to the barn and then from the barn to the house. Um, later on, it was discovered a little bit more, but, um, and then to meet, to make it even more creepy, one of the family's two house keys, it had disappeared right before the murders happened. Um, so the combination of the footsteps from the woods and the sounds in the attic. And um, there was also reports of the chimney having smoke coming out of it when the family was known not to be home. Um, they all led to, you know, show that the family was murdered, that somebody was on their property and was an intruder on their property um, in, in their house while they were still there and still alive. And they just didn't realize what it was. So Late in the evening of March 31st, it's believed that Victoria, her seven-year-old daughter, Calzilia, and her parent, uh, Victoria's parents, Andreas, and the older Calzilia, Calzilia 
um, were lured into the family barn um, through the stables where they were murdered one at a time using a, a mattock, which is basically like an ice pick. Um, but it was a tool that was uh, belonged to the family farm and it was there in the barn. Um, and that was that tool was used to, you know, um, have blows to their head. Um, then after those four were murdered in the barn, and then again, they were covered in hay, but um, the then it's believed that the murderer went into the house and using that same weapon, he killed Joseph, who was sleeping in his like bassinet or cot in next to his mom's bed, and then killed the maid who was in her own room um, with that. So um, it was April 4th was when the bodies were discovered. So like four days later, um, the from the time of the murders through when they were discovered, um, that's when it was, it became kind of obvious within those four days that somebody had stayed on the property because all the barn or the, I'm sorry, all the bodies in the barn were covered in hay. And then Joseph was covered with his mom's dress, one of his mom's dress and the maid was covered with her sheets. But the weird thing was that there were, was a, um, the farm animals that were on the property. And then there was a Pomeranian watchdog, which I don't, I can't imagine a Pomeranian as a watchdog, but a Pomeranian watchdog remained unharmed, had no issues and actually seemed to be well taken care of in those four days since the, the time of the murders. Um, between when they, the bodies were found and when the murders are suspected to have happened. So somebody stayed on that property and took care of the animals after they murdered the six people um, for that. So that's how they found, uh, or that's how they believe that somebody lived with those corpses for the time in between. Hmm. Um, so the... There were reports from the family's autopsies that were conducted by um, a physician, and I, his name is like Dr. John Baptist Almuer, Mueller, I think. I, again, my accent's going to be really bad with all the German names, but um, he indicated that the elder, Calzelia, showed signs of strangulation and seven blows to the head, which left her with a cracked skull. Um, her husband, Andreas, had, um, he was caked in blood and his cheekbones were protruding from his um, shredded uh, flesh from his face. So his face was like just shredded off of his, his bones. Um, Victoria's skull was also smashed with her head showing nine star shaped, nine star shaped wounds to the right side of her face that had been hit with a blunt object. Um, and then the younger Calzelia, her lower jaw had been shattered and her face and her neck had been covered in gaping circular wounds. So um, again, that, that Maddox, which is like an ice pick type of tool that was used as the murder weapon. Hmm. Um, the autopsy, it gets a little sad, the autopsy found that the, the daughter, the young daughter, Calzalia, who was, again, seven, 
likely remained alive and in shock for several hours after the attack where the, the, her mom and grandparents, um, it appeared that they died fairly instantly. She, they believe she stayed alive for several hours because she had ripped her own hair, like chunks of her own hair out of her head during the, the, like several hours after the fact, I don't know. I couldn't find where they like determined that it was her that ripped it out but I'm assuming she probably had some in her hands or, you know, something like that. Um, some kind of like clear evidence on that one, but um, yeah. So that's where it's, it's pretty sad with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, there were several theories on like what happened. Most of the suspects were, you know, males. Uh, I don't think there was any, actually, I don't think there was any female suspects that were ever named. Um, but, uh, some of them were kind of weird. One of them that I found was weird was they kind of looked at Victoria's husband, um, which, oh, I forget what his name was. Um, Carl, his name was Carl Gabriel. Um, they looked at him, but she was a widow because he had died in world war one. And, um, Mm. And, and so it's kind of weird, but I, I'll get into that a little bit more. But um, there were a lot of theories that happened because Joseph, her, the two-year-old, um, the father of him was not known. And she, the Victoria never fully admitted to who the father of, of Joseph was. Um, so I'm assuming that her husband must have died before joseph was born um in given the age gap between the the daughter of seven and then joseph was two it kind of makes sense but um it was discovered that she ended up victoria had a relationship with lorenzo or lorenz schillenberger um who was the neighbor that started the search party um and actually a lot of the neighborhood people had stated that both Victoria and Lorenz had publicly referred to Joseph as their child. Um, and there was a rumor that they had planned to get married, but Victoria's father, Andreas, um, interfered and ended the relationship. So they never got married, but apparently they had a kid together. Um, and then Lorenz ended up eventually going on and marrying somebody else. And him and his wife had a baby um, who tragically died a few weeks after birth. And so police kind of zeroed in on him as a suspect um, in the beginning and theorizing that he was traumatized by the death of his baby. And um, she, Victoria was probably looking for child support to pay for Joseph and he didn't have that money. So he came to the farm and murdered Victoria and her family so that, you know, out of his grief of losing his child and then having to pay child support. Um, and some of this was believed by a lot of the townsfolk because he, again, led that search party. But then once he found the bodies in the barn, he began kind of acting weird and didn't seem overly emotional about it. But then decided to go by himself into the house. And supposedly he was the person that found Joseph and the maid in the house, but he had let himself into the house 
um, alone. And so people question, why would you go into the house when there's four bodies outside? What makes you want to go into the house alone? Um, but police kind of, they ended up um, really not finding any hard evidence against him and chalked his reactions up to being like shell shock, basically. Um, which if the Victoria and he were, you know, in a relationship and weren't able to get married like they wanted to, you know, they may still have had feelings for each other. If you found your loved one in a barn and you had this love child, when you go look for that child as well in the house, you know, right. like that's, that's I would, what I was thinking of. That's where my mind went. But one of the stories that I read was that the house was locked and he ended up unlocking the house with a key that he owned, which again, a couple days before the murder, a key went missing. And supposedly there was only two keys that the, the family had. Um, but that was also kind of theorized that if they were in a relationship and a neighbor, he was their neighbor, there's a likelihood of that he had an extra key as a, an emergency. And again, because they had that relationship. And if he is really the father of Joseph, you know, it kind of all made sense for that. Um, but once he was kind of eliminated by the police, that's when they started considering Victoria's husband, Carl, um, as a suspect. And they questioned where he was. And, you know, like, why wasn't he at the house as well? And I think a lot of what them kind of looking at Carl as a suspect was, is that they didn't realize that he was killed in the war. Um, they just realized that he wasn't home. He wasn't one of the victims. He has to be a suspect kind of a situation. Um, but it, that theory of him being the killer didn't last long. Um, they were, they quickly discovered that he had been reported to be slain in France during World War One almost a decade before. So that would, again, it kind of makes sense where Joseph isn't his kid because he died almost, I'm assuming probably about the time she was pregnant with um, the daughter. And so, um, but there, a lot of the soldiers that served with him um, were attesting that they saw him be killed in France and they saw his dead body. Like they all confirmed that he was dead. Um Another theory that kind of floated around was that Joseph was actually the child of Victoria and her father, Andreas. Um, and that was um, that one of the, the theory was that one of them had killed the entire family before um, killing themselves with the, the medic. Um, but none of the injuries with the autopsy, none of the injuries um, to the bodies could really explain a self-inflicted injury, especially one of fatal injury. Um, so that kind of got swept under, like swept aside as well. The, it wasn't, it didn't make sense for it to be a murder suicide, um, situation. However, that was something that was looked at pretty heavily because there were neighborhood rumors that went around. We talked about this in one of our podcasts last week or the week before where, um, apparently, he was sexually abusive to Victoria. The father was sexually abusive to Victoria and it was well known in the community and talked about in hushed tones and, you know, kind of one of those things. So it is possible, especially because she never publicly announced who the father was. It is possible that Joseph was actually, um, Andre, Andres, Andrea's, um, son as a, and not grandson um, kind of a situation. 
Um, and there was also, it was well known that um, the um, elder uh, Calzilla and Anders had other children um, beyond Victoria, but they all died before reaching adulthood. And it was rumored that his uh, sexual abuse with them was part of the reason why they didn't survive through it to adulthood. Um, so there, that was one of the, the theories as well, too. I don't think it was, a, I don't think it was like a real true theory. It's just one of the sadder parts of the story that likely is true. But there was no real, there, because the whole family was killed, there was really no evidence to um, say otherwise. So nothing to really prove on that one um, either. In all, though, um, over the years, there's been more than 100 suspects that were questioned um, by the police um, and uh, about the farm and the, the murders. Um, and this included a mixture of local people and people who had been traveling through the area at the time. Um, and there was nothing, there was <clears throat> nothing that the police were able to find that really caught their attention or caused any like red flags to go up that, that like once people were questioned if their theory, the police's theories on what happened and who the suspect was, was pretty quickly eliminated. Um, so it, it's, the, I think that's why over a hundred years, it's still one of the most, um, unsolved mysteries in Germany. Um, about 30 years and out of, uh, there's again, a hundred suspects, but about 30 years after the murders, um, it's, it, there was some rumors that happened and new theories that came about and they thought that the case may actually be solved. Um, it was a woman named uh, Karencia Mayer who told her priest that on her deathbed that her two brothers had been responsible for the slaughter of the, the family. Um, and the men were actually questioned as one of the uh, one of those or two of those hundred suspects. And it was Adolf and Anton Gump. Um, and that's like those were kind of like the bigger theories. But. Um, the brothers had died before um, the sister, and so there was they couldn't re-question them, and it kind of fell flat after that. But the, through the years, they had several people kind of doing that, which I think is kind of on par for murder mysteries, that, like unsolved things where people admit that they killed somebody, and then the evidence proves that they really didn't. So, mm -hmm. um, But it's one of those things that we'll just like never really know. Um, the case, again, this happened on May 31st, 1922. This has been over 100 years now. We're in 2023. Um, so just over 100 years. And throughout the years, the case has been closed and reopened several times. Um, a lot of times, like the police departments, they the new, like fresh police officers, they want to reopen the cold case and try to see if they can figure things out. Um, but really don't, they don't get really anywhere either um there's an author peter leishner um he details and the the title of the book he has is all in german um i don't know what it says <laughs> to be honest i don't know and i didn't do a translation but um something mystery something the mysteries of the fan i don't know 
I can see mysteries. That's about all I can read. But um, he wrote a book about this and um, detailed how the bodies of the family and the maid were actually beheaded not long after the original autopsies because the, their skulls were sent off to Munich where they were examined for metaphysical, metal, metaphysical clues. Um, but, you know, again, this was back in 1922 and I don't think that um, science was far enough along to be able to discover too much out of there. And they didn't really gather anything from that. Um, and then in 1923, the farm was actually demolished. Um, and they were laid, the family was laid to rest in a cemetery nearby that farm and without their heads, they never got their heads back, um, because the heads were actually lost during all the chaos in Germany during world war II. So they were laid to rest without their heads, um, in a nearby cemetery. And today there's a monument that stands where the farm used to be. And it kind of memorial, it's a memorial, um, memorialization of the, the victims. Um, and then the latest that I could find was in 2007, the Fruchten police Academy took on this as a cold case. Um, and because they were trying to, with new technology, they were trying to find some new, uh, like, relatively basic forensic technology things that we have now, if they could use those to find any new evidence, really, that couldn't have been discovered back then, um, and look at the original investigation. But they uh, they were able to, they weren't able to conclusively identify a murderer, but they did have a theory that they, um, the whole team had agreed upon. But out of the respect of the surviving family members of the people who were related to the crime, they never released what the theory was. So that theory still remains a secret. And it, at this point, um, the, the story, like, I think everybody has just kind of come to the point of it's unlikely that we'll ever know the answers to it, even if they're there. The, the, in 2007, the police have this theory. But um, so much, it's been over 100 years that um, likely nothing will ever come of it. And even with the new technologies we have, the evidence is likely not good enough to be able to get a 100% accurate results on any of the answers so hmm. that's the story wow, wow. kind of short and sweet i guess but yeah not sweet no it's not sweet poor, it poor family very sad kind yeah. of eerie, um kind of a sad situation well really sad situation but it kind of makes you wonder i mean my guess is my theory on this is that it was likely somebody, well, it, I guess I didn't get into this. There, so they kind of thought, oh, this must be somebody that's like just going through the community and found this fit, like older, older couple with a young daughter or like a daughter in their thirties with young kids. It, so an easy target to be able to um, murder and rob and all that kind of stuff. But they, the, the police found nothing had been stolen there was money near um where joseph was in the bedroom you know so there was and there was a lot of money you know so nothing was really disturbed in the house or in the in the barn it was just uh the crime so 
my kind of theory is either it was a, a, a traveler who was passing through the community that maybe is a, you know, like a serial killer that never got caught kind of a situation or it was, I mean, there's so much hate in the world, but it was somebody that Victoria was a widow who had a two-year-old that she wouldn't claim who the father was. So she's unmarried with a second child. Um, and so I had a, a second child out of wedlock kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. Could it have been somebody in the community that wanted to kill her for her sins? That she yeah. So. And killed who, the whole Who were the yeah. two that were covered up with blanket? Did you say? So the four. So Victoria and her two parents and then her daughter, her seven-year-old daughter, were all out in the barn and they were buried in hay. So they were, or they weren't buried, but they were covered in hay. And yeah. then Joseph, the two-year-old, and the maid um, were covered in the house. So they were, Joseph was covered by one of Victoria's dresses in his bassinet or in his, you know, bed, cot. Um, yeah. And then the maid was covered with her sheets that were on her bed. Isn't that odd? Yeah. That you so, that was like the story we did on the Robinsons. Like, yeah. Two of the people yeah. they put blankets on. Well, right. You murdered a whole family, but you have compassion to put blankets on. Well, and, and from, I think and this one it was because they stayed in the house, yeah, and so they didn't want to see that's, the bodies. That's where I kind of thought too is oh, that they were state they stayed good. in the house, yeah, sure. and because the search party started on the fourth, the person that murdered them likely said, "Oh, I can't stay in this house anymore," and so they skedaddled real quick. Or joined in the search party so that they wouldn't be a suspect, kind of a situation. And um, but I, that's what I kind of took it as is that they covered everybody so they didn't have to see what they did. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, or you know, this could be a situation where it was a guy that was in love with Victoria and she turned him down. And you know, he said, "Well, you already have a two-year-old out of wedlock. You're a whore." and I'm going to show you what it means, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like a, somebody that was obsessively in love with her kind of a situation right, right. because she denied him. Yeah. So, scorned man. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I don't know. And again, it maybe it was the maid's sister who dropped her off, you know, <laughs> that, um, was mad at the maid and said, Hey, I'm going to take it out on your, your employer too. <laughs> But that kind of seems like a stretch as well, too. But you never know. I mean, look what's going on in today's world. People just decide to kill whoever they want. Yeah. So, no reason behind no it. Reason. All right. Well, and I think, so, Jess, you said this theory um, with the traveler, which is actually a, a theory that's very common in this case. Um, yeah. It's the man from the train theory. Yes, is, that's what this is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so there was a serial killer in America between the yeah. years, uh, let me see, 1898 and 1912 named Paul Mueller, who was yes. a German uh, German immigrant. Uh, and they he his crimes was basically he like traveled around America, um, mm-hmm. train by train, city to city, and basically killed entire families like this in the same kind of yeah. motive where it's like they he killed them with an axe or a blunt object. Uh, and they think that he had was getting like the police were getting closer and closer to him in America. So he traveled to Germany and basically committed this crime. Um, so there's that theory. 
that yes. it was basically this Paul Mueller guy. Yes, and that is one of the theories that was on there too. And I did see that. And yeah, the author Bill James in his book, The Man from the Train, mm-hmm. um, that's where it was. Um, he kind of claims that Paul Mueller is the the murderer for this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Huh. There's also, I think, let me see, I just saw it, but another reason they thought somebody was living in the house when the after the people had died was because one of their neighbors, I think, trying to like read it off here quick. Um, one of their neighbors saw smoke from the chimney. Yes. And yeah. then like walked up to the house and somebody like opened the door, but they had like a gas lamp that they had really, really bright and yes. they couldn't yeah, see the actual I... person who was holding yeah. it. And they were just like, say, I think they said that like the person just scared them away kind of. Yeah, I did see but that. They never I, saw I read that and then I forgot about it. So yeah. I, this What's one I this is one of my interesting cases that I think is just so like every theory seems right. Right. And that's what, and with this one too, I think because it happened in 1922 mm-hmm. that you know like again it's like this kind of stuff wasn't common to happen. So mm-hmm. police didn't think and you know like you thought you lived in a safe community, you know, that kind of stuff so, and then it's like you don't you know like I don't know. I just think that some of this stuff is like I don't think I don't want to say it was like lazy police work because it I think in 1922 it wasn't it wouldn't have been considered lazy police work but it's like things that we think of now like why wouldn't the police have picked up on that kind of stuff that um but that's how I kind of feel like it was like a traveler that they're like a nomad person and well I need a place to stay I'm gonna murder this family stay there until I for as long as I can and then move on to the next place. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the train guy you were talking about, Cass, yeah. did they ever catch up with him? And did he have any explanation of why he would kill a whole family? Well, I mean, this was again back in like 1912, was his last murder yeah. in uh, yeah. the United States. So that's the last known murder that he conducted. He basically went missing after that. Which again, um, kind of make would make sense because back then, too, it's like, Think about like the people that came. I'm just thinking like the movie Titanic with Rose when she came right. to Ellis Island. She said her name was Rose Dawson, Dawson, which is not her mm-hmm. real last name. But you know, right, like, right. I mean, you don't want to say people were changing their names, but it would have been easier to like create a whole new identity for yourself back then. Right. But what was his? Did they ever find out what his? Why kill a whole? Why kill families? I mean, what was um, it? Let me see if I can look it up real quick. I don't. I don't know if it said yeah. anything, but there's like mentions of like necrophilia, which makes sense. Yeah, they're staying in the house with dead bodies. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's a, and for this family, for the Gerber family, I didn't see anywhere like where the women were raped or the men were raped. You know, like I didn't right. see any any of that kind of stuff, but. And it looked like from the autopsies, it was just the head injuries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. It is. But that's what, okay, yeah. So Paul Mueller is, I'm just looking up at Wikipedia real quick, is alleged tw- early 20th century serial killer responsible for between 40 and 100 deaths in the United States and in Germany. 
So with mm -hmm. that, and that's based on that Bill James book too, but with that information, I like it's to me, that could be a clear indication of that's who killed the family. And then you got to think too, like, again, Victoria's husband died during World War One, World War Two, you know, started in, I don't know, for like Germany, you know, like war could have started earlier than, you know, but like in the 1940s. So, you know, like 15 years after this murder, you know, then things are easy, like their heads went missing, you know, so clear evidence clearly could have been destroyed. Right. Mm. It does say, I'm reading here, that um, most of the murders that he is uh, contributed to uh, may have been due to a sadistic sexual attraction to prepubescent girls. Um, a lot of the murder crime scenes, uh, the young girls had more defensive wounds and evidence of struggle, um, and that the police at the time had found multiple occasions of ejaculations at the crime scene. Mm. Um, but again, it doesn't sound like these bodies at the Hinter Hinterkaifeit um, had that, but also it would make sense that he was like watching the family because if the right. maid six months before was saying that right. there's clearly like something right. going on in the house, I'm hearing noises in the attic, and you have three women you know, you have the maid, um, Victoria, and then the mother, as well as the younger um, daughter. And then you have, have kind of been praying on father them. who was in his mid sixties, which back in nineteen twenty two was old, like super, yeah, super right, old. right, right. So yeah, yeah. So it's like to me that would be like, oh, that's like a perfect target, you know, easy to do. But I did, I read too that. Um, he, Bill James indicated that his theory behind Paul Mueller being the murderer of this this case is because it matched, like you already said this, Cassie, but it matched a lot of the similarities to the crimes that happened in the United States, including the slaughter of an entire family in their isolated home. The bodies were moved after they were killed, and a young girl was among one of the as one of the victims. And there was a use of the blunt edge of a farm tool as the weapon. And so mm -hmm. in this case, it was that that Mac, the Matic, um, which is a pickaxe. Mm -hmm. And then there was the apparent absence of a robbery as a motive. So that kind of like it checks all the boxes for right the Germany similarities. Case. Yeah. So. I guess I never heard we, of a serial killer that went after families. Yeah. Well, to each its own, I guess. But um, he the the Paul Mueller is a German immigrant anyway. So he, you know, may have just went to the United States for a period of time and then was coming back home and continued on his killing streak in Germany. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Yep. So that was, I thought it was a pretty interesting little, information that was provided in my new calendar and yeah that was a good story but yeah i did think too that this was like our third week in a row of a family a whole family being murdered so yeah but i mean this one i mean 
this is like one of the biggest true crime mysteries kind of ones. Yeah, right. Um, and also it's just that idea of like it they show clear signs that the killer stayed in the barn and basically right. one by one they came to the barn by themselves and he murdered right. them until the next one came. And so that's right. like so strange that like they each were like, Well, I'll go check it out. Now I'll go check it out. Now I'll go check it out. Well, I can And that kind of makes you think that maybe it was the neighbor because well, he had, would, he'd have I access can't... to get into the barn and yeah, and I kind of think of it as the daughter Kelzelia. Mm-hmm. Kel- um she was seven. But again, 1922, you required your young kids to do actual like labor. Mm-hmm. And so she probably was had a chore of you got to go and, you know, feed the animals at nighttime or bring them into the, you know, like Matt's parents have chickens. You got to bring them in, or, like lock them up in the coop at the right. night. You know, right. so she probably went out to the barn to do her nightly chores. Then one of the adults heard her scream, went out to investigate, and then you know, like then one of the other the you know other say Victoria went in to investigate and then she didn't come back so then her parents are like oh they've been out there for a long time maybe I should go look and oh they've been out there for a long time what's going on I think I should go look and you know that makes sense right. to me where it was just like a chain reaction of what's right. going on kind of thing right so, and then the maid and the and Joseph were asleep but that makes sense too where joseph's a two-year-old you know like most two-year-olds go to bed at like 7 30 you know eight o'clock whatever right. and then the maid likely goes to bed fairly early too because she wakes up earlier than everybody else to do things around the house right here for everybody else so but then you've got to think about like nobody would have screamed like she wouldn't have heard any of them scream right there would have been well, the what, neighbors you know, like, didn't hear anything. I mean, not the well, neighbors, were, both, they, but right, yeah, and that's what like I don't. I think it said in one of the articles that I read, that, like how far away the um, one neighbor was, but you know, it's like a mile away. You know, it's very secluded and right like, off by on its own. And even with like the barn, you know, it could have been far enough away where you didn't hear that noise, Maybe. or. Maybe she was already asleep when all this kind of happened and stuff too. So, lots of barn noises happening. Maybe, yeah. You know, there's and that's something too. Like, there's owls that sound like babies crying. You know, so like maybe it's something that like, oh, it's just it's just an owl. Yeah, I've heard an owl that sounds like somebody crying for help. Well, and also cats train themselves to sound like babies. Right. Be domesticated. Yeah. So I don't know. I thought it was kind of interesting. Mysterious. But it is. That's what I, I started when I was reading it. It's one of Germany's most unsolved, like weird unsolved mysteries. And it is a pretty popular one. Hmm. Um, never been solved. Nobody really has um, been confirmed to be the, the killer. So we need a forensic team to get these. Well, the thing that again, new. it's this happened in 1922. I know, hundred yeah. years ago. So it's really, hard. the evidence that it could have been yeah. available is likely not 
there. It's just right. Gone. It's gone. Yeah. So. And, and again, that- like you had World War Two afterwards, where parts of Germany, Germany that were there in 1922, no longer exist. They're right. not there anymore. You know, mm-hmm. that's where like Matt's grandfather came from Prussia, which is no longer even part of Germany. So. Hmm. So, yeah, it just kind of a lot of the evidence that could have been there may have been destroyed and right. We'll never know. Right, right. Well, so, that's right. that. All right. Um, anything else you want to add to that? No, I can't talk very well today. <laughs> I apologize. Well, it's it's that time. Um, so yes, it's getting time. Wrap things up. So, uh, anybody else got anything they want to add? Mm-mm. No, no. <laughs> All right, guys. So you don't think it was? Yeah, a- <laughs> yeah. Go back to the ghost. You know, they said, was, they said um, that it was. It wasn't haunted. That's the thing. No. The maid quit because she thought it was haunted. But really, so that's something too. Is that say it was this Paul Mueller, but whoever it was, likely. Oh, and I wanted to bring this up too, but likely was like living in the attic yeah. or living on the property, right. unknown right. to the family for six months, months. before it happened, yeah. and kind of watching and getting what their you know what their uh, habits were, and you know what their you know, like just kind of watching everything and knew how to time it. And that's something too, that he probably, or the person that murdered him knew how to get everybody out into the barn one at a time. Right. You know, that's something too. So it was never, there's really never any hauntings. There was just a lot of things that happened that couldn't be explained that again, hindsight is 2020 where you think about it and then, Oh, that makes more sense. Um, Remember they found the foot, prints in the snow yeah. leading up to the house right that went to the house but never left the house right yeah and the key so was stolen a, and the key was stolen and yeah so yeah that was that but you know there's there is a i don't know if it's like a fad or whatever but it is like a thing where like young people like in their like college age you know like late late teens early 20s you know maybe older than that i forget what it's called but they watch people's habits and then they like they're nomads and break into people's houses and live in their houses while they're out to work or you know and then they sleep in the houses and they just like stay silent and so they live in people's houses unknown to the people and like why the people are at work, they roam around the house and like live in the house like it's theirs, and then they remain like hidden in the house and silent while the, the family's at home. And they huh. don't mean it in a malicious way. It's just that's you know like that's like a, expensive, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. And it's like a thrill <laughs> kind of thing of like, oh, I'm not going to get caught kind of thing. Um, See, I forget what it's called. No, mom could never do. That. No. But it's, you know, like it's I one of those, it's, I, I forget what it's called, it. you know, but it's like, it's not, I it's didn't got know it was like a thing. Yeah. I knew there was like cases where it's happened before. I just yeah. didn't realize that there was a fad. Hmm. So, but wow. I think, 
and that's what like I you could have I don't know I mean in this case I don't think it would have been something like that I mean kind of similar they were like living there without the family knowing but there was malicious intent I think on this one all along so yeah yep anything else mom well I just you know I thought about that ghost part and we never really went back over it. I'm sorry. Maybe. I thought it was like kind of clear once we got down to the nitty gritty of everything. There, there was no ghost. Okay. No real ghost. No real ghost. No real ghost. All right. All right. It's just one of those things. Like if you hear things up in your attic. I hear things all the time in this house. Exactly. Look at your house. You have two huge attics. Somebody's probably living up there. No, there's nobody in there. Two I've been huge in attics that have pure act like clear access into the house without the going house. outside. Yeah. yeah. You can't get into the house in those you attics. Can. You can. No, you can't. There's a door in my old bedroom. Yeah. A door. I know what goes out to the attic, but you can't get any you can't get into the attic from outside the house. Well, you can. Let's not explain that on online, but you can. <laughs> you can. I was thinking you that. Can. Let's not get into this. <laughs> we don't want people just to, you know, all of a sudden start living up in your attic. Of course, yeah. it would explain a lot of things. Yeah. You should check your attic. Put a little nest cam up in your attic. They got all kinds of stuff to do up there, too, because you got old books. Old trinkets. There's a bed in there. Yeah, see, there you go. Odin's old bed, or Danielle's old bed is in there. Yep. You got it made. You're you're making it easy for them. It is kind of like one of those attics you see on TV where they have all that old, you know, stuff in there. Yeah. <laughs> old old <Yeah>. trunk. <laughs> Find a Christmas present that was forgotten about. Oh, yeah. Like <laughs> No. I haven't been up there in years. We should go up there and check it out. Probably old school projects. My old, you know, map of the town that I did in like fourth grade. All the stuff we've been looking for for years. Yep. It's all up there. <laughs> all right, guys. Let's, uh, let's get this wrapped up. Um, any last words, anybody? Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, everybody, for joining us. Yeah. Please, please like, share, and subscribe our site. We're trying to build it. And um, every time you push that like button, that helps us out. And, of course, give us your suggestions and your thoughts on our email at thefamilyschoolofthought at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. Cash, you got anything to add to that? Mm -hmm. Nope, it looks like we're getting a lot of views per episode, so that's amazing. So yes. Subscribe, it'd be even better. Um, but yeah. it looks like a lot of you are watching, which is great. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Alexa played the Family School of Thought. <laughs>